0: Hello and welcome to the MSL Consultant Podcast. I'm your host and founder of MSL Consultant, Aoife O'Dwyer. Today's episode of the podcast has been inspired by a listener and former client of mine based in Canada who emailed me and asked if I would do an episode on critical evaluation and discussion of research papers. This is something that I help people with who have upcoming MSL clinical paper presentation interviews and also current MSLs who require a little bit of upskilling in critical paper appraisal. So I'm happy to share my tips and advice here on the podcast as well. Before I get into this episode, I want people to know that my e-course, The Complete Roadmap to Your First MSL Role, is currently on last enrolments for 2020. Enrolments will close November 20th, and when the course is available again in 2021, the price will be increased. So if you're interested to learn how to secure your first MSL job without MSL experience, go to mslconsultant.com forward slash online course before November 20th and I'll also leave a link in the episode description. And now back to the episode on clinical data interpretation. So many MSLs are former academics and may be experts at appraising basic science papers but not phase three clinical trials which will be the focus of this episode. In this episode I will be discussing what is critical appraisal of clinical papers and what are the steps you can take to critically appraise a paper. At the end of the episode, I'll also be discussing tips on presenting clinical data to KOLs. Starting off, critical appraisal of a clinical paper is a method of systematically examining research to assess its reliability, robustness, and relevance to clinical decision-making. As an MSL, when you are critically appraising a clinical paper and presenting to KOLs, the question your presentation must answer is, how do the results of this clinical trial impact treatment decisions for patients? So how can an MSL actually go about critically appraising a paper? I would recommend if you're listening to this podcast that you find a phase three clinical trial in the therapeutic area of your choosing and go through the paper as I give you each of the steps. It's much easier to learn this way as opposed to just passively listening to to me talk about it. Okay, so step one in critically appraising a clinical paper is to understand why the study is being performed. The introduction of the study will talk about some unmet clinical need and the rationale behind the study being conducted. Examples of unmet needs include um, the need for a treatment that's better tolerated, the need for a treatment that can be used safely in a certain cohort of patients, Whatever the clinical rationale for the study is, it will be included in the introduction of the study. So if you have a clinical paper in front of you, read the intro, find that reason and highlight it. Understanding why the study was done will help you put the results into context and understand their potential impact on clinical practice. Step two in appraising a clinical paper is to evaluate how the study was done, and that's included in the methods section of the paper. So some things to note in the method section include, was the study randomized? And if so, how were patients randomized? Was the study single, double or unblinded? A double-blinded study has reduced risk of bias in comparison to an unblinded study. Was the study versus placebo or versus the current standard of care? What was the, the duration of the study? And is this reflective of a time period required to see clinical benefit? So, for example, a study done on a chronic illness will require a long study period. Where was the study conducted? Was it in one country or hospital or multiple countries and sites? And this is important as a study done in just one area with one type of patient may not have results that are applicable to different ethnic groups. And ideally, you want the study to be multi-center and include a broad range of ethnic groups. Other things to note in the method section are, how many times did patients receive the study drug and at what dosage? Is this dosage the same as is outlined in the approved product information for that drug, i.e. is it on label? And once you have answers to all these questions, you have a snapshot understanding of the important aspect of the clinical trial design. The next step in analyzing clinical data is to look at the objective of the trial. Is it, for example, to demonstrate non-inferiority? Is it to demonstrate superiority? What was the primary endpoint? What were the secondary endpoints? If it was a non-inferiority trial, what was the non-inferiority margin and how was this margin calculated? The authors should provide a rationale for using this non-inferiority margin, and this is something you may be asked by KOL, so it is important to know. Are the outcome tools used validated endpoints? You can Google the name of the outcome tool, example, Clinical Activity Index in Ulcerative Colitis Validated Outcome. And if it's validated, you will see the data to support when it was validated. The next thing to understand in clinical trial is the patient population that was enrolled in the study. Look at table one in the phase three study you're using and it should list the patient demographics. The questions you need to be able to answer are, are the patients enrolled typical of the patients that usually present to the clinic with this type of disease also using this table check if baseline characteristics are well matched for example if two treatments are being compared you would expect that both treatment groups had patients who had well matched baseline scores if one patient group was for example much sicker than the other group then this may affect the results of the study So you want to look for well-matched baseline characteristics. Ideally, you will be looking for wording such as, there was no statistically significant differences between the treatment groups regarding the demographic and baseline disease characteristics or pre-study maintenance medication. So wording similar to this should be found somewhere in the paper, and it will tell you that the baseline characteristics were well-matched. If this wording is missing from the paper, analyze the patient demographics closely for differences that may affect the results. The next step in analyzing clinical data is to look at figure one in the paper, and this will be a flow diagram that will tell you how many patients were enrolled in each arm and how many patients dropped out of the study and why they dropped out of the study. If you see from figure one in the paper that 50% of patients dropped out due to side effects from one drug, but only 20% dropped out due to side effects from the other drug. This tells you a huge amount about the tolerability of the two drugs being analyzed. Furthermore, it's imperative that you understand how missing data is accounted for in a clinical study. Last observation carried forward is often used in clinical studies, which means that the last recorded outcome measure is carried forward as if the patient had that score at every time point, you will likely by be asked by a KOL how missing data is accounted for. So it is important to check this type of information, which is usually included under efficacy measures in the clinical paper. Okay, so at this stage, you probably have a clinical paper covered in highlights and notes, and you understand how and why the study was done. The next step is to analyze the results of the study. So when you're interpreting the results of the study, it's important to understand what population was analysed. And in general, there will be three different populations mentioned in a clinical trial. The intention to treat population is defined as all those patients who were randomised to treatment, and they're analysed according to the group they were originally assigned, regardless of what treatment, if any, they received. So for example, if I was enrolled in a clinical study and I was randomized to drug A for two months, but I only took it for one week and then I decided I dropped out of the clinical trial, I would still be included in the intention to treat population when the study investigators do the analysis. Also, if I was randomized to drug A and then I dropped out of the study study before I received the drug, I would still be included in the intention to treat analysis because I had been randomized to treatment. Another population mentioned in clinical trials is the per protocol population, which includes only patients who receive the study drug according to the protocol, So, for example, if the protocol said patients should receive the study drug for two months and I was enrolled in the trial and took the study drug for two months, I would be in the per protocol population. If I only received the study drug for two weeks and then I decided to drop out of the trial or I got some side effects and I didn't want to continue, then I would not be included in the per protocol population. And the third type of population is the safety population, which is defined as any patient who received at least one dose of the study treatment, even if that is placebo. So knowing what patient population is being analyzed in your study is really important, as this could be easily asked by a KOL. So when you're looking at the results, you want to identify the results of the primary efficacy endpoint and also what population is being analyzed. Once you have analyzed the results of the primary endpoint, you can then analyze the secondary endpoint results. Something to note in clinical trials is if the secondary endpoints are pre-specified or not. Pre-specified endpoints are those which the investigators decide to analyze before the trial starts non-specified endpoints are also referred to as post-hoc analysis which is essentially when after the study is completed the investors say you know what let's also analyze this um, in the patients so post-hoc analysis can yield interesting results for further investigation but clinical practice should not be based on post-hoc analysis as the results are not as robust as pre-specified endpoints Another thing to note with secondary endpoints is the most important secondary endpoints will be included in the abstract of the study. So if you need to quickly prepare for a KOL meeting, you don't need to study all the secondary endpoints um, that are included in the study. Just focus on those that are listed in the abstract of the study. The next step in analysing safety data, uh, the next step in analysing clinical trial data is to analyze safety data in the trial. So this information is so important for KOLs and clinicians because they need to know what are the potential risks a treatment has for patients. Table three in um, a clinical paper will usually list the adverse events for the clinical trial. So when you look at this data, you want to know what the most common adverse events are, but also what serious adverse events if any occurred, and the incidence of adverse events kols and clinicians will want to know based on the data from this trial if i give my patients this drug what is the chance they will get an adverse event and what adverse events are expected the last and final part of analyzing clinical trial information is to read the discussion here the authors will state the implications on clinical practice based on the data the next steps, i.e. if further analysis is required in certain aspects of the clinical trial and the results, and also the limitations of the trial. If you require extra limitations of a clinical trial, you can search the name of the paper plus letters to the editor. Often other researchers or maybe scientists from a competitor pharmaceutical company We'll write letters to the editor listing additional limitations of the clinical trial and these letters to the editor can be a really useful source of information and increase your ability to recognize the limitations of a study can also help you establish yourself as a credible expert with the KOL. And that is how you analyze a clinical paper for KOL meetings. When discussing clinical papers with KOLs, it is important to have an actual discussion and conversation with them and not just talk at them and dump lots of clinical data on them in a call because nobody really enjoys that. So when you're discussing the data with a KOL, ask them questions throughout to get their feedback on the data and the impact of any of the data has on their personal clinical practice. If you need help with analyzing clinical papers, I offer a workshop which can be tailored to a paper or a therapeutic area of your choice. So if you're interested, drop me an email at info at And that is it for me. I hope wherever you, you are listening, you are safe and well, and I will be back with you with another episode soon. Take care. Bye.